0: Of Psalms is just a grouping of songs or just a hymn book, then you need to look a little deeper into this book and find out just how fascinating it really is. While there are Psalms of praise, there's also Psalms of lament that you can find in the book of Psalms. There are imprecatory Psalms, which is where the psalmist is praying to the Lord that he would invoke judgment upon his enemies. And then, of course, there is prophetic psalms. These are called by some theologians, royal psalms, where he is talking about the kingship uh, that is to come through the Messiah. And uh, he is foretelling the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's Psalms where they are simply prayers unto the Lord. The psalmist, uh, like Psalms 51, is praying a prayer of repentance. And we look to that psalm many times and find courage in it. And also an example of what it takes to come before the Lord when there's some sin that needs to be resolved in our lives and repent of it. And so there's prayers that you find mixed in with these. These psalms in the book of Psalms. And then there are, of course, instructional psalms. These are called by, by some that study the word of the Lord. Uh, scholars call them wisdom psalms. And the text that I have chosen uh, to read to you from here tonight, that is what category it falls in. It falls in what is called a wisdom psalm or an instructional psalm. And this is what the psalmist is endeavoring to do. Of course, all of the Word of God is written by inspiration of the Holy Ghost as the Holy Ghost moved upon holy men of old, as the Scripture says. So we know all of it is meaningful. That doesn't mean that the writer that records this, his personality doesn't bleed through the way that he would say things. Just as a preacher preaches under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he says things in his own vocabulary. And his own personality may bleed through, and that is much the way that the Word of God is. But nevertheless, the themes and the subjects and the content that is there is very pertinent to us. And he imparts in this first psalm instructions on how to live a blessed life. And I think that that is all of our gold, that is everyone's desire is to live a blessed life. And I have a personal practice that any time that I see that word blessed or blessed is the man or something along those lines, I always pay particular attention to those uh, type of phrases from the word of the Lord where it talks about blessings or the blessings that come upon a man Or woman of God, if they do thus and so. The psalmist begins by discussing what a blessed person doesn't do. Now, before we talk about what one needs to do to be blessed, he gives us some things that we need to eliminate from our lives that would stand in the way and be an obstacle to that blessing. First, he says here in the first verse, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. A blessed person doesn't receive their directions from the unrighteous. They avoid the advice of sinners and the ungodly. And then he says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And I know that sometimes we think of standing in the way of something as being an obstacle to or standing as a hindrance, but that is not what this is referring to. It's talking about a particular path that sinners are on, and he's standing in the way or he is in the path where sinners are transversing, laudering around with the ungodly, in other words. And uh, that that keeps us... From experiencing the blessings of God. That's not where you find the blessings of God. And then it goes on to say. Nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice notice with me the digression that takes place here. In this passage he is talking about first of all walking. And then standing. And then it concludes with setting. That is the digression. We know that we walk with the Lord. We walk by faith, the Bible says, and so on. Uh, The book of Isaiah talks about uh, walking with the Lord and gives us illustrations of that. And we know and we talk about often as we teach and preach about walking with the Lord. But here we see the, the plan and the purpose of the enemy is to cause us to first of all start walking with the ungodly and seeking their counsel, and then before long, uh, we're standing and listening to their words and taking their advice, and then it leads to idleness, and we suddenly become immobile. Walking with the wrong people leads to laudering with the wrong folks in the wrong places, and then that loitering with the wrong people in the wrong place leads to sitting down in the wrong seat. It's idleness, and we know that God wants all of us to be active and progressing and growing as a child of God. However, in verse 2, begins with a conjunction. It says, but his delight, talking about the blessed man, his delight rather... Is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I really like that passage of Scripture. Of course, when it talks about the law of the Lord, it's talking about the Word of God. In other words, his passion is the Word of God, and that is what he focuses on, that's what he meditates and ponders and feeds on. I want to tell you, especially in this time when we have a little bit more idle time on our hands, in a sense. uh, It seems like the pause button has been pushed on many people's lives over the last several weeks and days. And uh, we don't know exactly how long this is going to last. But during this period of time, it's very easy to pick up your cell phone and to take in all sorts of media and to look up the latest thing that is taking place as far as this pandemic is concerned and what the latest person is saying about it and what their opinions are. And if you do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with being informed, but I want to tell you that if you're always feeding on the negative that is out there, it will affect your faith in the things of God. Why not feed upon the Word of the Lord? Why not meditate in His law day and night? We have a lot of time when uh, perhaps we're staying up a little bit later these days or maybe uh, we're finding our hours a little bit more erratic because our schedule has been disrupted. Well, I'm going to tell you the Word of God. If you, if you feel worry come upon you in the midst of the night, the Word of God is the place you need to turn. If you feel anxiety closing in on you and sleep uh, is not able to be found, turn to the Word of God and you'll find strength and comfort. And it's the Word of God that feeds our faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the Scripture says. So your faith is strengthened through your involvement with the Word of God. I've heard of folks in our church recently listening to a little bit more preaching over the last few weeks. And that's a good thing. There's lots of avenues that you can do that. On the same phone that you would use to pick up all of the the news and the negative things that are out there, and a lot of these folks, you've got to realize they have an agenda behind what they're uh, telling you, and there's a purpose why that they want to focus on so much negativity And uh, so there's, there's all of these forces and contradictions that are going on. Why not use that same device to tune in like you are right now to the Word of God? Why not go on the church website and tune in with the podcast and listen to an extra sermon or two or a Bible study and feed your faith by doing so? Then the psalmist attributes three things to blessed people. Verse number 3, and this is where I want to really focus uh, the content of this message. And he shall be like a tree. This is the analogy, in other words, that he's using. He wants you to get a picture of a tree planted by the rivers of water. Get the picture of a tree, and it's been strategically planted by a resource, by a river of water. And the implication here is that this is a fully mature tree. At least that's the picture that you get in your mind by what the psalmist implies in this writing. Mature trees are not found in nurseries. They're not found growing in a a greenhouse somewhere or in somebody's uh, front room. But mature trees... Uh, they have to be planted and for them to become mature, they have to be planted in a strategic place and the soil that they're planted in is very vital to their success and to them growing into a full-grown, mature tree. We know trees have a long lifespan. In fact, I remember... Uh, some of the trees that my grandfather planted when I was just a young boy going to his house. And then some years later, long after I was married, I took my family to look at the old place that my grandfather lived at. And some of the trees that I remember just being saplings or had just been young trees were now full-grown, mature trees. And now that my grandfather... Uh, many years has been passed away. These trees that he planted while he was still fairly young and many years before he died, and uh, while I was just a boy, or maybe even before I was born some of them was planted, now they're growing up and maturing, and what a sight it is to behold. But grandfather knew something about where a tree needs to be planted and where it must not be planted if it's going to mature and live and have longevity and become what it needs to become. This tree that he's speaking of is planted, and when he's talking about it, he's making an inference here to stability. Birds of the air can come and rest in the limbs of such a tree. Such a tree can provide shade. Such a tree is strong and represents that strength and represents stability. It has roots that are fully developed. It survived through transitions of seasons and uh, trees that have survived for a long period of time, many years, You take the giant redwoods and sequoias that are in California. They have been through seasons of drought. And then, of course, we know there's the normal cycle of seasons that take place in the year. We have a cycle of four seasons that we go through. And all of us... Know what it is to come now. We're coming out of winter into spring. And then spring will give way to summer. And summer when it concludes will give way to fall. And then the winter months begin to take place. And we have to make transitions. There's different phases. Uh, There's even uh, an effect that takes place in the growth of a tree during different seasons. We understand that because uh, the, the leaves will all... Uh, be shed from the tree in the fall and the winter they're pretty much bare and there's a dormant time and then it comes spring and things begin to blossom out again and leaves begin to form and then there's a time of fruitfulness that takes place. There's seasons that that tree has learned over time and maturity to adjust to. Can I tell you that the same is true in the blessed person's life. They understand that, that there's going to be times of spring and summer when it seems like there's lots of life and there is, you're, 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 you're in a time of, of, of blessing and things could not be any better. And then, of course, there's times when the winds begin to blow and the leaves begin to fall and winter sets in and the temperature drops and in a spiritual person's life they understand that there is times that I have to endure. And a tree that is mature understands and knows or has endured these periods of time. And it's been uh, times when it's held things in reserve, preparing for those times uh, when it's going to be winter or when there's going to be a drought. We had a drought here in Texas uh, some years ago and some of the trees around about that were not in strategic areas where they could, uh, their roots could find a vein of water and be able to find a resource during a time of drought to go ahead and, and find enough water to survive. Well, as a result, those trees dried up and died, and life could no longer be found there because they, they just weren't planted in the right place by the rivers of water the psalmist said, and that's why I'm so thankful for the church. That's why I'm so thankful for the anointing and the power of the Lord that we feel and experience when we are connected with the church, the body of Christ. That is where we need to be planted. We need to be planted in the church of the living God. And he goes on to say, goes on from talking about being planted to what I want to refer to as producing that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. This is talking about producing, of course, being fruitful. And I like how this is written. It makes it um, possessive, the pronoun his there, his fruit. His fruit, everybody, contributes something to the church. Everybody contributes something to the work of God and the kingdom of God. I know we all have different personalities. I know we all have different characteristics, different skill sets, different talents. But we're all to be producing. We're all to be involved in being fruitful in our own way. It's just like the tree. Uh, some some trees produce a certain type of fruit, while others another kind. And all of these make up uh, what, what we sometimes enjoy at different periods and seasons. You know, not every fruit comes at the same season or the same month of the year. I remember living in the San Joaquin Valley and uh, living there for many years. There was... Of course, the peach season, and you could expect at a certain point every year there would be peaches. And, matter of fact, there were so many that the transporters uh, that they would use, uh, trucks, semis with uh, big trailers, those peaches would be piled so high that when they would take a corner, make a turn, sometimes some of the peaches would roll off and you would find them on the side of the road. Or there were so many peaches being. Uh, bore from those trees that they would be uh, falling off the branches down onto the ground and you could go and collect fresh peaches right off the ground. And uh, so it was an amazing sight to see that time of the year. In other seasons there's almonds, in other seasons there's apples, in other seasons of the year different types of fruit. And so every tree, it bore what it was designed and purposed by God and created by God to bear. And so that is that is like you and I. We, we cannot be responsible for being something that God did not purpose us to be, but God does hold us responsible to be everything that He has called and purposed for us to be. And then we understand that it said not only His fruit, but it says in His season. In His season. And so... Sometimes we look around and we say, Well, look at them. They're being blessed. That person is experiencing such great things from the Lord. It seems like things are going so well for them. And I seem to be in a season where I'm not producing. I'm not bearing any fruit. It doesn't seem like a fruitful period in my life. What's going on with me? Well, everybody's season sometimes can be a little different. And so it's important that you realize... That in my season, God, if I will just continue to be faithful, he will help me to produce. He will help me to be fruitful. And it's never good for us to look around at somebody else and say, well, why isn't me that is being blessed like they are? I'm just as good as they are. I've done just as much as they have done. Of course, none of us really know that. But... That is sometimes what can enter into our minds if we allow uh, our minds to drift into a place of carnality. But 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We've got to be wise enough to realize that in my time, in my season, on the schedule that God has for me, He's going to cause me To produce and be fruitful in his kingdom. I'm not going to get jealous. Matter of fact I'm going to rejoice with others. As God is blessing them. And God is using them. And God is advancing and progressing them. It isn't an indicator that something's wrong with me. Just because I'm not fruitful right now. If you're not fruitful. The only thing you need to check. Is if I'm faithful. And if you're faithful. Fruitfulness will eventually come. If you're faithful, then you can rest assured in the right season, fruitfulness is going to come to your life. So just hold on. Your season is coming. Galatians 6 and 9, the Apostle Paul writes and says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The only thing that could abort your fruitfulness is for you to faint is for you to fall out in in the time that God is nurturing you and working with you before your season of fruitfulness. Don't faint. Continue to stay close and near to God. Continue to stay faithful in every way according to His Word. Stay planted. That brings producing and we understand by even the example that is given to us in Genesis chapter 49 when Jacob, Israel, is speaking to his sons and he brings up Joseph and he says that he was a fruitful bough who was planted by a well and that his vine reached over a wall. He was able to overcome obstacle and still be fruitful. Why? Because he was planted by a well. Well, I'm going to tell you that it's important that you realize I'm going to stay flat-footed in the church. I'm going to stay strong in the Lord, and God is going to help me as I continue to be faithful to be fruitful in Him. And then in verse 3 it goes on to say, His leaves shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Starts with being planted. Then one begins to produce. And when everyone around you, perhaps in this world, people that don't know God, they're all withering right now. Their emotions are withering. Their faith is withering. Their confidence is withering. Their finances and all of that is 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 being tested and and people that you can you can sense they're withering in worry and doubt and fear but the child of god doesn't wither in these times but the child of god can prosper and prosperity goes beyond just financial things matter of fact that's the most shallow end of all of this when we're talking about godly prospering we're not just talking about monetary things that that's really just That's just the shallow part of this. The deeper part of this is that we can prosper in our spirit. We can remain strong in faith. We can remain strengthened and stable and consistent in a time when a lot of people don't know what to do and the world has been shaken like it never has in many, many years. There's going to be people of God that are going to stand strong and going to prosper through it all. They're going to draw closer to the Lord while others... Are, are losing heart and losing faith. They're going to draw closer to the Lord. And so as I was studying this psalm, there was another psalm that came to mind, and that is found in Psalms 122. And this psalm is one of the songs of degree, and uh, these are a series of songs that was sang as they made their ascent into the house of God. And one of these verses is one that you'll recall as a very popular verse that we like to quote. It says there at verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Never has that verse meant any more to me than it does right now. I'm going to be glad when this quarantine has lifted and they say unto me, let us go physically. To the house of the Lord and gather together in worship. I'm looking forward to that day as I'm sure many of you are. But I want you to look very closely with me at this psalm. And I think she's going to help me by dividing the screen and and bringing these things up verse by verse. But in verse 2 it says, Our feet shall stand. Again, this is sort of akin to our psalm that we referred to earlier where it's talking about being planted or being stable. Within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Now you know that Jerusalem in the Old Testament, as is written here, is a type of the church in the New Testament. So we're going to stand, we shall stand within the gates, or we're going to be in the church. We're going to stand strong in the church. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together, verse 3. I want you to note that. It's built as a city, built it as a city that is compact together. In other words, I guess you could imagine sort of like uh, some of the larger cities in our nation. Of course, we know that Jerusalem was built on a hillside there, and so it was all kind of clustered together. But think of it as a a uh, neighborhood, perhaps, or an apartment complex type area where there's a lot of houses crammed into one area, maybe an urban place, and there's not much yard space. There's not much, maybe there's hardly any space between you and the next dwelling, compacted together. Well, in that type of setting, and any of you that have lived in those type of settings, you know I lived in Hawaii for some time, and it was a very, you know, the, the island was 40 by, I think, 30 or 35, uh, the island of Oahu, and so it was pretty compacted because there was a million people that lived on the island when I lived there, and I think the uh, several hundred thousand tourists on top of that that were always there. And so everything was compacted together. Well, in that type of setting, you can hear what's going on in the next house, right? You, You can hear every disagreement, every dispute, I hate to say it, but every argument, you can smell even what they're cooking for dinner. Compacted together. And, you know, when you're that close together, there's there's more, uh, well, there's more agitation that can come out of that. Thankfully, where I lived, we had a lot of nice neighbors. And uh, But you can imagine if there's a baby that is crying all night or there's a dispute or if there's something that is left out in the yard or, or left out. Uh, that that causes it to get in the way of someone's parking place or something else, a toy or whatever, how that that can bring up some irritation. And you're going to know a person that you live beside day in and day out, 365 days a year, maybe for years on end, because you're compacted together. You're going to know, they may look one way when they go to work and to their colleagues or to their friends or to casual acquaintances but when you live beside them you're going to know things well he said the city of jerusalem was compacted when it was built it was compacted together as a city and that is a type of the church we're we're here we're together we're close to one another and as we are close to one another we're going to see faults we're going to see things we're going to we're going to know things about another person and we're we're just in this environment where we're close to one another, you go with somebody, you go to, to church with somebody for for years on end. You know certain things. You know certain things about their personality. You know certain things, and and there's little things that may arise from that. But I want you to notice the next verse: whether the tribes go up, the tribes, the tribes of the Lord. So when you see a fault in somebody else's family, first of all remember that they could probably see some faults in yours. But secondly remember that that tribe that tribe which is a part of a greater army that tribe is of the Lord. That they too are a part of God's big family. And so don't be too hard on them because God they're a part of His family. They are a tribe of the Lord, and God loves them, and he, he cares for them, and He gave as much for them as He gave for you. So it's important for us to remember that. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. In other words, there's a kingdom here, and there's leadership that's been put in place, and that leadership has to make decisions from time to time. And we're all here together and so things have to be dealt with and, and, and laws have to be executed and, and uh, the vision for the city or the country has to go forward and it comes from a certain person that has been anointed like David was in leadership. And so what do I derive from that? I, I know that when we're all in a church together... That there's decisions that are made and choices that are made and directions that are taken. And maybe at the time you don't understand, you, don't, you really don't see it clearly like that. But you have to trust in, in what God has placed in your life as leadership. And you have to trust this judgment as it were. And note the next verse of scripture, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In all of this, whether you agree or disagree, pray for peace in Jerusalem, and they shall prosper that love thee. Verse 7, peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions shall, or for companions' sakes, I will know or will now say peace be within thee because of the house of the Lord our God I shall seek thy good. So they that love thee, they're going to prosper. Those that pray for peace in Jerusalem or in the church, they're going to prosper. During this time when there's so much fear that is running rampant in our world, we need to pray for peace in the church. This needs to be a place where, in a sense, people can find tranquility for their spirit that's been disrupted. They can find peace and comfort, and they can know this to be a place that prospers. Still standing, still here. You know, one of the things that I've really been encouraged by is that this church has been in existence now for Well over 70 years, I think over 75 years at this point, it's been a church. And uh, that is phenomenal. And that says that it was built on the right foundation, first of all. It was planted right. And it's grown and matured. And it's where it is today because, because there's been prosperity and blessing given by God. And so this is a place that people can come to and say, you know what? This is not a fly-by-night opera- operation. This is not just something that kind of cropped up here overnight, but this is a place that has been standing. It stood through the fire. And the floods have came, and it's stood through that. And there's been turmoil, and there's been situations. But through all the various seasons and storms and whatever, this church is here and it stood through it all because of God's help and God's blessing and because of people being willing to continue to love this church and love the people that are a part of this church and pray. He said, "They that love Jerusalem, they that love the church shall prosper." Praise God! I'm so thankful for that. I hope some way tonight the word of the Lord has has helped you. I hope the word of the Lord has encouraged your faith and and blessed you in some way helped you to understand that I'm connected to something bigger than just me I'm not just out here an island to myself but I'm connected to the body of Christ I'm rooted in this thing called the church I've been planted in this thing called the church and as a result I can be fruitful and prosper even though this might be a season when it seems that, that so much is drying up I'm going to tell you God is going to give us the blessing of flourishing and growing and prospering. I'm so thankful for that. I want to make you mindful of our services this Sunday. Be sure and connect at the right time, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, 6.30 p.m. on Sunday evening. Again, if you have need of anything, please call the church. If you... Uh, not comfortable with the online giving, you can always come by the church from 9 to 4 p.m. Monday through Thursday uh, with the exception of the lunch hour and, and Sister Trina is working here. So we appreciate you all. Thank you for everyone that has connected. We are grateful for everyone, our friends and guests that are with us via online. We're thankful for you. We're praying for everybody. We're praying for our city. We're praying for our state, we're praying for our nation, and really we're praying for the entire world that God, that God would keep us, and that God would cause us to be fruitful during this time and to prosper. God bless you in Jesus' name as our prayer.